Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Welcome to a new podcast. Uh, You're hearing that right. New. Brand new. Fresh. Fresh. Clean in your ears. It Mm -hmm. is the Hello Hoop World comps. Look, we're brand new, fresh podcast. So new. We're not even giving it a name yet. We're going to let it choose its name. Uh, we're 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 those kind Very of progressive parents. Progressive parents yeah. joining me, co-hosting Austin King. I am Tuck Clary. We both are on the New Bloods podcast, and now we are venturing into a new realm. We love we love college basketball, folks. But you know what? We also love the NBA, and not just the NBA, but the process to getting the NBA, the journey from from little pups. To young men, to the next great stars that are, you know, we're going to be asking, are they worth the max? Are they worth the super max? Is that a mid-level guy? Or should we trade this bum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, We like to project guys out, but we'll never project them out to be Raymond Felton. Uh, (laughs) But you will never, never hear shades of Raymond Felton on this podcast. That's yes. We will have plenty of shades, shades of shade and sharp shades of him shades of, you know, every, every possible projection. We we're looking to it. We are casting big shadows to find our next great, you know, we're like Adam Sandler in the hustle. We're we're grinding, baby. We we we. We're out here. We're skipping birthdays. We're just we're, on the fucking road in Serbia, and we're yeah. eating, we're just searching for the closest McDonald's in a rural town. We're, we're Serbia. We're looking for the next Hernan Gondet, Hernan Gomez. We're looking for the next Wancho. We're next looking for the next Willie. Yeah, I'll be honest though. I don't think there's going to be much international scouting for this. Uh, for this podcast yo yo once once this podcast is put put on a larger platform uh expect a lot of hits on a serbian serbian 17 year old yeah somebody drop the bag so we can go to the FIBA world cup oh god i would have loved to have been in spain this last summer that would have been sick we could have seen baba we could have we could have seen we could have seen a lot of the guys actually that are on on both of our lists. Uh, this is a talented crop. Uh, we're breaking it down basically com- compared to last year's draft. Austin was probably the best draft in a handful of years. Would you say? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. I mean, we haven't even seen the number two overall pick in Chet Holmgren, so. This draft, I mean, you know, number three has been shaky, but you know, yo, number three has been shaky, but he's back, baby. He's he's Hooper in December, playing good little good little basketball. But James Harden's about to come back to Houston and ruin that. He's about (laughs) he's about to teach young Jabari about the strip clubs of Houston just as he's of age. So that's. That's, that's dangerous. That's big synergy. Like that's yeah. the real synergy sports. Someone for Tina, uh, like, God bless you. You know. You know what? Speaking of synergy and NBA basketball and college basketball, do you want to know what Houston's court is named? What is it named? It's named Tillman for Tita Court. Did you oh, know that? Oh, why, yeah. bro? You can't yeah. name a court after yourself. Ooh. 
just oh. a restaurant tour. Restaurant <laughs> tour bag. Yeah, yeah. Say uh similar uh similar uh restaurant restauranteering as uh our our dear friend Artie Buco, just like <sighs> involved in something. We're not sure yeah, what. what is it? What is What's it? What's going on, Tillman? You, Where is that restauranteering for that court with PPV loans? <laughs> <laughs> And what what is taking but one large PPP loan? You're you're lowering your sales of of commerce of commissions inside of the arena. You're you're lowering your sales of tickets. You're lowering your chances of playoff basketball b- bonus money, all for the go. future because you're paying that back with yeah. the they're next not big the luxury tax. Not in the luxury. They're just, tax. they're just thankful for the Warriors spending all that money so they can get that redistributed to them. So we're looking for the next great player. Uh, we have Paolo Bencaro doing things that no other rookies ever done. Uh, as you mentioned, Chet Holmgren hasn't played basketball yet, but virtually every pro that he played pro and basketball would be like, yeah, that dude's special. That dude's going to be something. Jabari Smith. Except for uh, what? Um, uh, why am I blanking? DeJounte Murray. Dej- Dejounte, Dejounte didn't respect him. You don't remember that little dust up we had this summer, where Dejounte was calling him a bitch that forgot where he came. Oh from. no, 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 no. We're talking. That's Paulo. I'm talking about oh, Chet in the pro. Oh, games. oh, oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought we were still on Paulo. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we got Jabari Smith, who, as you mentioned, was a little shaky to start, but now is fully integrated into that offense. Becoming a really good catch and shoot specialist. I, I think he's like around 40% from three in the in December. Uh Hegan Murray is Danny Granger or projects out to be Danny Granger, which is low-key special. Pretty good, the Batman. Jaden Ivey has shown flashes in a, a difficult Detroit team that is without Cade. Um Benedict Matherin is fucking amazing. Benedict Matherin would be rookie of the year in any other draft class, yeah. but this one, like he would have been rookie of the year last year, probably, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Uh, you have Shaden Sharp doing uh, Michael Jordan up at unders and yeah. having Vince he's, Carter be he's like, oh, ironically, getting fucking young Kobe comps. Yeah, unironically. Like, we've heard comps to Kobe, Vince Carter, Brandon Tracy Roy. McGrady, Brandon Roy. Uh, some folks were calling him, like, mini Paul George. Mm. Like, is is Shaden Sharp just the best version of every great basketball player that's ever been? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure and he's like, a top 10 player in the history of the game. <laughs> and like what's cool about shaded shaded is journey also uh full disclosure this is a podcast that is done by a portland trailblazers season ticket holder and lifelong lifelong portland trailblazers fan so um uh unbiased opinions unfettered mm-hmm. opinions but absolutely let's let's just be honest tuck and i had a discussion probably a month ago when the nets were looking much much worse we were like, I don't know if we would include Shaden Sharp in a Kevin Durant deal. That yeah. that was how absurd the hype is, but also that's how high we are on Shaden Sharp. Yeah, uh, the the stock has somehow not depreciated off a lot. Um, mm-hmm. 
look in Tyson Daniels is good. Jeremy Daniels is good. shooting one-handed free throws. Johnny Davis is the worst player in the NBA. Woof. Uh, we'll just forget about Usman Chang, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara legend. Pretty like, good. Pretty good. Pretty Jaylen solid. Durant has been okay. No, you know? Jalen Durant's the best big man that's a rookie in the yeah, class. But that's not saying much. Mark, All right, Williams, man. Mark Williams. Mark Williams finally getting playing time. What the fuck was Charlotte doing? Yeah. AJ Griffin. Really, he just played against the Blazers and was pretty good. Yeah. AJ Griffin. Yeah. We just skipped over Ochai because what happened there? Whoops. Uh, he's in Utah, right? Where'd he go? <laughs> he's, in uh, Utah. Well, he's drafted by the Cavs. And then, yeah, I think he went to Utah. And I don't. I honestly, that's how little Ochai has gotten any love that I'm like, wait, where is he again? It's. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Griffin, good. Tari Eason, good. You know, even in the later part of the draft, Walker Kessler, let's give him some love. He's Malachi Brand, Malachi Brandon's been pretty solid for the Spurs as a rookie. Like he's yeah. he's come back into the fold due to injuries with Vassell, and like he's looked solid. He's looked like a contributor. Walker Kessler is, yeah, that dude on defense. Like we haven't even talked about Andrew Nemhart, who's been phenomenal <laughs> for the Pacers. Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, who hates rookies, was like, yeah, that guy's special. He should have been a top 10 draft pick. <laughs> That's insane. That's how good Andrew Nimhart has been. Speaking of which, if you are a lover of Gonzaga and Andrew Nimhart, go follow Caitlin Cooper, who is a Pacers blogger and probably the smartest X and O's person that's like a team blogger um, for Indiana. She is phenomenal and she does a lot of breakdowns of like film breakdowns and just a lot of great articles. Um, and she's done a lot of great stuff on what makes Andrew Nimhart really a really special player. Hoop Troop over here. Yeah. And look, we're just saying this, this draft class was phenomenal and was, we were, I feel like a lot of people were concerned that it was top heavy, that it was like, if you don't have the top three picks, what, why are you even, why do you even bother showing up? What's the point? What's the point? Uh, dead wrong. Really good draft class. Yeah, turns out really good. Now, do we feel t- that way this year, Tuck? I do not. I do not. But however, but kind of. <laughs> however, I kind of am. Uh, <laughs> where littered with talent, this 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 2022 draft class, the 2023 draft class, Austin might have two generational picks. Not mine. Does. Does unequivocally does unequivocally generational picks in uh French Godzilla Victor Wembanyama, who is maybe seven one, maybe seven five, uh, without a doubt, a bucket. Um, he, he's like, God, he's literally Jesus Christ incarnated into a French seven four player. Doc, there was a there was a play. In uh, his last like big exhibition game, where this dude guarding him is six foot eight, six foot eight, and playing tight defense. It wasn't a closeout because he was face guarding him, and Victor does just a crossover step and does a a, a fake drive fade out three. The dude didn't even bite on the drive, and he puts his hands up to defend him. Hand in Victor's face. Perfect defense, and Victor just nails the three. 
and he's seven foot five and he's doing crossover moves that are like, yo, you have to have like, uh, uh, platinum unlocked on my career to even attempt that move. Like, Bro, he's today I retweeted this. He literally was guarded by three guys at the top of the key. Literally crosses all of them over, loses them, just takes one big dribble to the basket, and then just like jumps kind of inside the free throw line and dunks it. I mean, he is literally a monster. Yeah, it's he's he's legendary. And um let's just let's just talk about it now. Uh there's a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk, especially uh after the the little friendly exhibition against G League Ignite about how Victor Wembanyama is the best prospect in the history of the NBA draft, surpassing LeBron James in terms of bona fide, clear, franchise-changing talent. Are yeah. you are you a, are you there yet on him being a better prospect than LeBron James was? I think that he is a more intriguing prospect. Because he's literally something we've never seen in the history of the game. But, and like, I don't see a world in which he isn't successful sans injury issues. But LeBron was just the best form of what we know is like a great basketball player. Like, he is literally the smartest player in the league alongside Chris Paul. Like, he is genuinely a basketball genius. He has the perfect body for basketball for, I mean, he's almost playing until he's 40 years old and up until him being like 36, 37, never was injured. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the most efficient players. I mean, the only thing that you can like call LeBron James out on is maybe he's not the best jump shooter ever. Yeah. No, he's not like a great shooter, but he's still a pretty good shooter on high volume I mean, his decision-making, his ability to pass, uh, you know, he might be annoying, but like the fact that, <laughs> it's, you know, at 16 years old, he's been one of the most famous people in the world and is like not a huge piece of shit and like addicted to drugs, you know, is like, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Like he has the mentality to that I think a lot of those top-level guys, they may be extremely skilled, but they don't have. And that's actually something Women Yama does have. That yeah. dude is a fucking killer. I mean, he told Scoot Henderson, he's like, yeah, that guy would be the number one pick if I wasn't born. Like, that's <laughs> a fucking killer statement, bro. And that yeah. dude was like, fuck that. I'm not going to just sit out this year, even though I know I'm going to be the number one pick, because I love hooping. Like... That that tells you something about the type of player that he is. Yeah, and like he 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 even like is calling out teams that are tanking for him. Like he said, tanking it's a weird strategy. I find it unreasonable, and I not, try not to think about it. I also heard that the NBA is considering changing a few rules for me, but that doesn't really concern me. Like, <laughs> bro, love- he. He doesn't turn 19 until next week. I like the thing about the thing about him is he's so clearly has as high of a ceiling as LeBron does or higher of a ceiling. Yeah. It's just, I don't, 
which we've not said about a player since LeBron. Like I don't I don't think anyone that's a reasonable person has no. had a single prospect where they said, "Yeah, that guy could be better than LeBron." Like people said that about Zion, but that was just insane. Like that yeah, was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. um with with Wims, it's I want to see more like I mean, you can project it out. It's clearly there. He's a good passer, but is he is he the kind of like two eyes in the back of his head like LeBron was at 19, 20 years old? That's we'll see. Uh, but like who else is? But the thing is with him, like he doesn't need to process the game at the level that LeBron did or Chris mm-hmm. Paul or any of these guys because he's such a freak that he can make he can process later and still make the play because he just has such a physical advantage. And like, but it's different than Chet too, because because yeah. Chet clearly has issues if you go through his chest when you're guarding him. Yeah, with Victor, with Victor has like an inability to adapt and to to shift that pressure and 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 just. His, and his wings, handle is significantly better. His handle is significantly better. Like, here's the thing: you, you, there were there were no two people that were bigger Chet stands last season than you and I. Um, okay. Like, but even when we saw 17 year old Chet cross uh, cross Stephen Wardell Wardell Stephen Curry at his camp, from that that point on, and seeing the highlights and, and seeing him do absurd coast to coast uh just crazy passes dribbling pull-ups it was like oh cool he's he looks really smooth and good doing that with victor you're saying what the how the fuck how in the fuck did he do that there's no way there's no way that somebody with that body should be able to do that he was just taking one-legged threes for fun like that's just now a part of his arsenal for whatever reason, um, it's ins- I it dude, he is fucking insane. And I think the injury concerns are interesting. Uh, the mus the like vague muscular injury that derailed his season in 2021, 2022. Um, that's legitimate, but you wonder how much of it is like, hey, let's pump the brakes on this 17 year old, let's let his body heal. Yeah. Um he's got a lot of basketball ahead of him. I I don't know. I'm not as concerned about his body. Like, yeah, uh do do I worry about like him going through a Jackson Hayes screen? Sure. Like, am I worried about I'm worried about anyone going through screens though. Like nobody is yeah. built to handle that stuff. Like unless you're Giannis. Unless yeah. you're Giannis. Yeah. And guess what? Giannis came into the league and was really skinny and people were worried about his body type too. So with Victor, it's clear that he's the number one overall pick. Right. And and like as good as the next guy we're gonna talk about is and as generational of a talent as he is, it's clear that it's 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 everybody's trying to get that number one draft ball so that they can pick Victor. Uh, the teams that have the best chance for that to happen are Charlotte, the Rockets. Um, yeah, I mean, why don't we do a little uh, um, NBA uh, tankathon here? 
Yeah. Why don't we so clear that for fun. That might just be a little uh, thing that we have to do on the podcast. Sorry, Orlando just won. <laughs> so like the, the the teams that that are clearly Yama and Bancaro and Franz Wagner. Oh my god! What do they do with Bull Bull? Oh my god! They play. What do they Bull do with the, what? They play Webinyama at the three. What you do play... they? What do they do with Wendell Carter? You trade him. You don't need him anymore. Wendell Carter, who is like proven to be a top twenty center, really. <laughs> um, but He's like starting for them right now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I, it's it's that team is that team is insane. They played Franz Wagner as a shooting guard yesterday. Yeah, I dude, that team is wild. They don't win, but they're fun. They're super fun. Um, uh, but so the the clear teams that have the highest chance of getting. Victor Wembanyama is Detroit, Orlando, as you mentioned, the Spurs, the Rockets, Charlotte, hell, the spiciest possibility, and this possibility that will ruin the NBA is uh, our our dear God, uh, the clutches of clutch, Rob Polinka, sending, it, manning the chip that is is. Finally, sending that AD draft pick to the New Orleans Pelicans. There's a there's a significant chance that the New Orleans Pelicans are the number one overall pick if the Lakers keep playing it like they're playing. Can you imagine Victor Wembanyama playing alongside Zion and Brandon Ingram? Dude, I I don't know how to process that. To be that's, honest, that's that's like. That's is it, okay. So if this is if this is like the process of all these guys reaching ninety percent of their ceiling between Zion and and uh, Wems, is Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Victor Wembanyama is that more unfair than Steph Clay and Draymond? When they were like at their peak, potentially, which is insane. Like legitimately, that's for modern era stacks. Conversation. Yeah, I and like, and and at that point, you have CJ. You still have CJ, so you still have a scoring guard. Jones, and then and then that's what I'm saying. You have Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels. Who and by the way, you still have a glut of picks. You still have so many picks. Like you can go out and get another superstar if you want to, if you're in New Orleans. Like Jose Alvarado is coming off the bench in that yeah. situation, right? Like they still have Trey Murphy, who's really fucking good, by the way. Yeah, Trey Murphy, maybe the best Wahoo of, of them all. You know? Yeah. Oh, I don't even think that's really a question. Yeah. I think he's very clearly the best Virginia player. Well, uh, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. But, you know, he's got, what, another year on those legs? And then he's uh, – well, and then he'll know, be running for president. Do you yeah. think he just drops out of the NBA and runs for president? I mean – Election cycle? Uh, as soon as Adrian Wojnarowski does a tweet of uh, Malcolm Brogdon is uh, uh, out with uh, knee, knee inflammation, I'm going to say, folks, he's running. <laughs> Uh, he's gonna be Kamala Harris's running mate. Yeah. Uh so 
in this in this situation, are, who is who is the team that you want Wems on the most? Man, um, that is a really tough question. I think the answer. It's almost it's hard because it feels like a he's like a video game player, so it's like hard to even imagine him in the NBA. Any team is going to be like absurd. Uh, I think what would be really fun is seeing him on Oklahoma City, and I know that hurts you so much, Tom. Uh, as they are the zombie Sonics, and as a recovering Sonics fan, I know that that I've, I've hard for you, but I've already processed through it with Chet, right? Buddy, I've moved on. I've like I processed it with Chet. I realized that uh, you know the the integrity of your body chemistry, Austin. I don't know if you know this. But every cell in your body changes over about seven years. So it's been long enough that none of the cells of my body that were a part of me when the Sonics left are a part of me now. Oh, I've, there you go. I've learned to move on. Um, now, do I think the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base are kind of whack? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Very uh, Very so like, base. also they definitely pump in so much noise in that arena. Uh, I love Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I want nothing but the best for him. Uh, fashion icon, uh, bucket, uh, basketballs, Mike Trout. I want nothing but the best for him. So if it means yeah. if it means that Oklahoma City Thunder becomes a dynasty again, yeah, like screw it, that's that incredible. Can you imagine S- SDA, Josh Giddy, Chet, and Victor Wembanyama? Bro. And then just Lou Dort doing just Lou Dort shit. Crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, that's just fun. And then Jalen Williams coming off the bench. I mean, that's just six, seven, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so much fun. And then that allows for you, if you're, you know, Oklahoma City, you have so many picks as well. Like you can now really shape that roster in interesting ways with current NBA players because you're not going to use those picks. You now get to trade for guys that would have never come to Oklahoma City in free agency. Right. Yeah. So I, I think mean, that's – what about you? That's a great one. I really like Oklahoma City. I kind – so, like, I think that would be the best spot for him. Yeah. Uh, I'd be fascinated – with seeing him or just seeing how he would be used with the San Antonio Spurs. <sighs> it's a very boring destination for that's him. The, that's not a destination I like. I don't love it, but I really want to see what Greg Popovich was like. He's got he, like a year left. That's what I, that's, I know. I know. I know. I know. Like, you know, ultimately I don't want him to go there, but like right now thinking about it, I'm like, what would Greg Popovich even do with yeah. Benyama? Like Greg Greg was mad. Greg was like mad about how much three point shooting was being done. What would I he know. do with a seven? He really point- wants to get rid of the three point line. Yeah. So like on like a what would that even look like? Fascinated by that. Oklahoma City is like by far my favorite place for him to end up. I think that'd be the most fun. Um, the l- teams that I want him to end up with the least have to be Charlotte in Houston. Right. Oh, and Detroit too. I'm sorry. I know Why Detroit. Your, I know. I know you love your vegan king, but like yes. my bones, bones are brittle. Like 
I don't know. Kate Kate is awesome. Okay. Kate is awesome, but he's not that fun to watch. Like I, I want him on like a super fun team with talent that I believe in in the front office and an ownership group that I believe in so that he can be like the best version of what he can be. And I don't really see that happening to Detroit. Yeah. I I can more Charlotte definitely not Charlotte. Charlotte's number one for me. Charlotte is like I I I will Adam Silver is a fraud and never yeah. going to be David Stern if he does not ice the Charlotte letter to make sure that Charlotte Seriously. doesn't get that pick. Charlotte does not deserve that pick. Michael Jordan cannot Michael I Michael Jordan goat talk. Yeah, have at it. But uh, the dude the dude is the worst general manager and owner. <sighs> That's a poor player ever. And yeah, arguably not a great guy. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, and then the big news the that was thing. dumped yeah. on a Friday before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, them announcing, oh, soft launching. Hey, we're kind of looking into Miles Bridges yeah. coming back. Yeah. You know that we have video, we have photos. Uh, like we have for sure some sort of like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't even want to get into that that much. But like, screw the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Lamelo Ball is incredible to watch, but like, would Lamelo and Wems like be so transcendent together that you can make up for horrendous roster construction, bad game managing, uh, terrible GM leadership? It just frankly yeah. atrocious locker room vibes. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I think your uh, team earlier, the Pelicans, just like I think the French connection too is important. Like, mm. the fact that he would be in New Orleans, the most French city in America. Like, I think that gives him some close comfort. Plus, playing with Zion would just be sick. So yeah. I, I think but would that break basketball? Would that break the league like it like it did for with the with the Warriors? I know that this is the most talented that the league has ever been. Yeah. Or like the modern league has been. Um I mean, you've still got to go through a lot of really awesome teams. Yeah, the Celtics are still awesome. You're you're yeah, you're talking about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown entering their prime. You're talking yeah. about like Jokic, who's you know, on pace to be a top 15 player in the history of the game. You're still talking about Giannis being, you know, the best player and a, another guy that's on pace to be a top 15 player in the history of basketball at his peak. Like, you know, there's still lots of teams that could compete with that one. So I think I think the clear two, that would be the coolest coolest spots for him would be Oklahoma City and New Orleans fascinated about like bro the Spurs would be so cool with him though like I know you hate the Spurs fucking cool I know but Keldon Johnson Devin Vessel and yeah that's so dope look brother like Spurs way all the way dog okay like, how did I just become a Spurs fan? Like, yeah, when did, I don't, how did I that like happen this for you? I do like Jeremy Sohan, though. Yeah, Jared, bro. Can you imagine so like a rotation, a, little... a rotation of Sohan, but 
Bissell, Johnson. Now, would you Mabs. let me ask you a question? Would you rather see Wemby with fucking Chet Holmgren and SGA or Devin Vassell and Jeremy Sohan? All right. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. You know what it is. Okay. Okay. On a fun ass team. There's there. Okay. So that means that there is a the Spurs will be a location for the second clear best player sure, in this draft. Sure. Which we'll is like you you just being like this is a consolation prize. When we were talking about a player that would legitimately be the number one pick in here, what draft would be the last draft that Scoot that Sterling Scoot Henderson would not go number one overall in? Okay, but are we taking into account like are we just talking about before the draft or not looking at what they're producing now? Because like Correct, you can't yeah, do that. It's hard. Okay, coming into it, I think he goes first last year. Now, I think you can make the argument with how good Palo's been this year that you would still probably take Palo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, totally. but, but coming into the draft, you're taking Scoot last last year, the year before. Um, let's see. You're, so you would feel comfortable taking Scoot taking Henderson over, over Cade. Cade, Cade and Jalen Green. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would feel incredibly comfortable taking him over Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman. Oh yeah. Um, and that's going into the draft in 2019. You've got the first overall pick being Zion. I that's close. That's close. That's probably the one, just because like the mysticism and aura around Zion Williamson as a player at Duke, like there's such a propaganda push that happens with right. the Duke players. Bro, and as soon as he like committed elite as... blue blood guys, that it's hard to beat that. Yeah. Now, if Scoot was doing what he's doing in the G League on like North Carolina Ooh. or UCLA. Or something well, he wouldn't. Like he wouldn't do that on North Carolina because Hubert Davis and Roy Williams would refuse to let him play like. Yeah, that. that's probably true. Okay, um, you're, you're t- actually. This is something I do want to get into at some point on this podcast. But I have such a bias towards top level prospects that pick like programs that I believe in and like. Like if a player chooses chooses Houston, like Jarris Walker, I'm like, yeah, that guy's a smart player. I'm <laughs> going to love him. Oh, you chose to play at Baylor or you chose to play at Villanova. Oh, that means you're different. You didn't just choose to play at like UCLA or Duke or Kentucky. What about um, oh, you're like a really smart player that knows exactly the type of coach that you want to be in in a system and you get it, and I'm gonna like you even more. What if you choose to go to South Carolina? Uh that is a huge red flag. I know he's from there, but still <laughs> red um, flag. So you would take Zion before Scoot. Yeah. And and I don't disagree. Would yeah. you take Scoot before Ja Morant? Yeah. Yep, yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't really think that's a question. Even with how good we know that Ja is now, I still think that Scoot's probably going to be a better player than Ja Morant. That's how good Scoot Henderson is. Think yeah. about how many yeah. like really I, good prospects have struggled in the G League over the last three years. Right, Scoot right. Scoot Henderson is averaging right now in the G League against pros 21 points per game. <laughs> he is averaging 
uh, four rebounds, six assists, 1.7 steals. He's shooting 47% from three. He is a monster, dude. And he is such a good decision maker. I think the only thing that is a true question mark for him and I think will come is like, that three-point percentage is awesome, obviously 47%, but he's only shooting about three a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to need to, like, step up as, you know, a decision-maker in the pick-and-roll. And if guys go under or guys, like, don't trail him the way they need to as they go over the screen and lock on him, he's going to need to be able to step up and hit that. Now, he has a really nice pull-up jumper right now as a mid-range jumper. Mm-hmm. So I don't see any reason why he couldn't be that. Um, like, I, I I don't see any reason why he couldn't be a guy that's shooting, you know, 38 to 40% on pull-up threes. Um, that, But that's the that's the big question with him on the offensive end. Um, well, he's also what, not super tall. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Four, which is good, but it's not. Is he 6'4"? I thought he was 6'2". Yeah, at least his basketball reference page has him at 6'4". I don't know what the G League Ignite page has him G at. League Ignite page has him at 6'2". Some agenda wow. pushing is being done. Wow. But not by the G League Ignite. Interesting. Interesting. I mm. Now, why is that? Why is that? Uh, G League Ignite I, trying to keep him around for another year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, thing about, my thing about Scoot is like, I I have agreed with all of your assessments on him so far. And I think without a doubt, he's the best true point guard mm-hmm. draft pick since Chris Paul. I think that's probably right. Like he's I he's gonna average at least eight assists a game. Like He's he's going to be a monster. His court vision is insane. Like there's mm-hmm. so many times where he's just able to just cook and and if he had dudes at his level playing alongside him, like sky's the limit. And he's he's just a he's so natural getting downhill. Like yeah. he's but it's not like jaws kind of going downhill that feels like oh my god this dude is going to run into a wall and go through that wall like Wiley Coyote. Like he's he's just so clearly in control and and just he has the thing about him is his ability to change speeds is the best I've seen from an 18-year-old in a long like I don't know. I I need to like watch like film of guys uh like I, I, I Allen Iverson did that of course yeah as an 18 year old but like he reminds me like AI as like a Georgetown freshman with his ability but six four yeah and hasn't gone to prison <laughs> we'll just let that sit we'll let that sit sorry we love AI and we're abolitionist on this podcast so abolition podcast uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe, we, maybe that's what we call it <laughs> Um, but like the draft, like, where do you want Scoot to end up? Because it's hard. It's hard because like he's 
he clearly needs to he's clearly gonna go to number two and yeah. so a lot of stuff is out of his control and yeah. and I don't really want to see the Scoot and Lamelo tandem. No. I don't think that's good for either of them. No, and and I don't see how he makes sense in Houston. I unless you you want to get Jalen Green off ball, but my man does not want to do that. Uh, and and they've committed to Kevin Porter Jr. in a way that is just like confounding. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's the James Harden rumors back to Houston. I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. I think Orlando would be a really interesting fit. Um, Orlando, you could talk me in. I mean, I feel like any of these players, it's like, oh, what if they go to New Orleans? Like, that'd be really interesting. You know, like, what if Amon Thompson or one of the Thompson twins ends up in New Orleans? Like, that's crazy. But I could, I could see him being on like Washington or something like that. Like what? They, what they happens? What happens in Detroit is the second pick in the draft. Ugh. What the? What do you do if you're Detroit? It's hard because like neither of those guys should be off ball. Like Kate should not be off the ball, and neither should Scoop. And like Jaden Ivy is can't doesn't move off ball. No, like I wonder. I wonder if Detroit gets that second pick and they're like, hey, New Orleans, why don't you just give us all your picks? Like, why don't you just give us like four picks and like Herb Jones and Trey Murphy? Would you do that? Would I trade Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, and like three draft picks? Three or four picks. No. You wouldn't do that if you're the New Orleans. Not Herb. I wouldn't trade Herb with those three picks. For Scoop fucking Henderson. You're telling me you could have Scoop, CJ, Zion. I just and Brandon Ingram. In, in I think it's closer to Detroit saying no to that than New Orleans. You you would call Detroit's bluff. Like what would Detroit do? They would just take him and they'd figure it out. That's what they would do. And they would be like, all right, we'll figure it out. And then we'll probably trade Jaden Ivey or something like that. And you just see what happens. I just, I just feel like New Orleans. Is, you're in limbo. You're just in a weird place if you're I, I just, I just don't think you can trade both Trey Murphy and Herb Jones as rotational, key rotational pieces on a team that is already clearly yeah. going to be contending to be the representative of the West for the next five years. Yeah. It's just weird because like everybody wants the first pick and when Binyama fits on any, like any team, he's going to. Yeah, work. he figured it out. There's like no team where you're like, ah, him in Houston, like that just doesn't make sense. Or even like San Antonio, I was shitting on it, but it's like obviously that'll work. Like, but with Scoot, it's like the top teams that are right in the mix are Detroit, Charlotte, and Houston. All three of those teams like don't really make sense. Like they already all have primary ball handlers. San Antonio is a team that makes a lot of sense for Scoot he would immediately come in and be their number one primary option. And you could really build around him. Orlando desperately needs a true point guard, like get Markel the Fultz the fuck out of there. Like, bro, imagine how easy, 
Imagine how easy Jalen Suggs would become like the best version of himself. No, I mean, if it would he wasn't be, asked to be the point guard too. Yeah, yeah, it would basically be like the role that he had when he was on Gonzaga with Andrew Nemhart. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, yeah. Washington wouldn't be bad. You know, I I, I know Washington's a weird spot, but. They're gonna make a Porzingis trade. They're gonna make a Bradley Beal trade. Like, there's there's something there. Like, they're definitely set up to really have like a hard reset. And you're seeing Corey is playing pretty well. Brewy just had 30 points the other night. Like, you're seeing something there. Kuzma is a good trade piece. So, like, yeah. you could do a real like a real true like hard reset and build around Scoop and have like some pieces there that make sense like the worst case scenario right is if detroit or oklahoma city have the number two pick yeah yeah like that just that's a that's a bummer for all 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 parties like in a lot of ways that the the last draft's draft order was a bummer for all parties um mm-hmm. and it worked out for it worked out for orlando but yeah it did you know who would be, and we'll see. Toronto is in real blow it up territory right now. They've got Yo. the eighth, eighth worst record. If they like trade Pascal, they trade OG, and they really rebuild, and then it's like move off of Van Vliet. Yeah, Van Vliet, and it's like I trust Masai. That's part of it. Is I like these guys, so I want to have them on teams where I really trust the management. I mean, there's it's hard. You're hard pressed to find a better GM than Masai Ujiri by far. Uh, if you're like Scotty Barnes and Scoot, that's pretty damn like intriguing. I know Scotty's kind of fallen off a little bit this year, but Scoot could definitely take a lot of the primary ball handling role that Scotty's not really set up to do. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I like Toronto. It's, it's just like how, impo- what are Toronto's odds even be able to get up that high? It would, it would have to be them blowing it up. Right. Yeah. No, undoubtedly they have to blow it up. Yeah. And like and- best case scenario for them is a blow up team. They're going to get to probably like the sixth, Worst record, like maybe they jumped like two or three spots, but you know, with the flattened lottery odds, it's not impossible for them to jump up. And like we're we're three months into this season, and and there's only two teams. There's there's only three teams with less than twelve wins on the season. Like there's yeah. the parity parity's at an all time high this yeah. year, and so like. That makes that makes the second half of the season really interesting in terms of who who's going who's going to like give up the game of chicken first, you know? Who's going mm-hmm. to who's going to move all their chips? Like what the hell do the Utah Jazz do? The Utah Jazz are holding a lot of trade assets, a lot of pick assets. But they're, they're above 500 right now. They're, they're the ninth. Late. They're the ninth seed in the in the West. Yeah, it's too late for them. Uh so those are our thoughts on what are clearly the two generational picks in this draft. Two two players that, you know, will will be we'll be talking about all the time. We'll we'll be talking about the next ten to fifteen years easily. Yeah. Um, but there's talent. There's still good talent to be had 
three on. Um, Absolutely. I and and this is this is something that I think I is going to be the theme of this season. I feel like is with up and down injury plague seasons for a lot of the top freshmen in college basketball. Mm. Mixed with the lack of marketability for the overtime elite. The overtime elite has two twins playing alongside each other in Amen and Osser Thompson, who have been pegged as being like tandem three, four, but that's just kind of like a cookie cutter. Uh, we're going to let the season uh, play out both in uh, semi pro and amateur leagues. Um, and then we'll we'll reset. It drives me nuts to the markability point. I spent a lot of time on YouTube just trying to find a full game because I don't like watching highlights to evaluate players at all. I want to watch multiple full games. I want to watch like games where they have their best games and see everything that they do extremely well. And then I want to watch those games that they've really struggled in and like what are those reasons for them struggling i want to see both the highs and the lows and everything and you can't like find it it's just like 30 minute highlight videos of fucking amen thompson just being a pogo stick and dunking on everybody it's really frustrating it's really frustrating um it raises a lot of questions about like what what the league's goals are with i have no fucking clue what the point of the overtime elite is like why if you're if you're like clearly a lottery pick if you just stick the path and you like stick the landing of your next year in uh out of high school or or prep school why would you pick overtime elite instead of the g league i i don't really know um the overtime elite is so weird because there's the overtime league. So they're on the city reapers, which is the team, but then there's the overtime elite team, which is all the best players that play on that team. And then they just play like a bunch of high school prep teams. And I'm like, what is this? Like, oh, are we getting playing the skills factory and Montverde and like Donda what like that's not the competition that's going to prepare you for playing in the NBA. Like you're better off going to college or going to the G League. I and I, that's not to like disparage the coaches that are probably in overtime elite league. And I know that there's like serious developmental like programs that they go through there. Um, so we'll see. But man, I as far as the talent of competition. I don't really get it. Yeah, and and maybe that's something that we try to tackle in this podcast is talk to folks that that are like plugged in on overtime elite more. Yeah, because I certainly am not. Unless someone wants to drop the bag for us and fly us out to Atlanta, we can go. Yeah, yeah, we'll be. Because the arena looks cool as fuck. I'll say that. Oh yeah, dude. If like low key, half the time I half the time that I've seen overtime elite game, I'm like, is this? Is this an arena for professional gaming? Like, what God, is I this? feel like I'm at a rave. Also, yeah. the announcers don't know hoops at all, but they're kind of, I mean, they're just, it's like you're watching Shouting. the live stream of like, or actually it's like you entered like an NBA Twitter spaces of a bunch of guys with like, you know, the, 
you know how people will have like the team record in their bio or in their yeah like, yeah, yeah. And, like it's like it, it's something season spelled S Z N yeah yeah exactly like Wardell season oh yeah. crap the Warriors aren't doing good yeah uh, but like yo what would fix the overtime elite one uh, not Facebook Live your games uh, oh, seriously two uh, get the get the dude from the and one mixtape tour to just do the games yeah hell yeah and can you imagine just like oh man oh man he's cooking he's cooking oh 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 that'd be way better than whatever the fuck they've got going on right now because it's not good at all so like looking we respect the overtime elite we respect it overtime (laughs) elite we speak your name uh with with the pick with the third pick on Amen Thompson, the Thompson twins are 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 flirt are floated often as being the next two picks taken. And there's a there's a real narrative that like this could be the most um disconnected that college basketball is to the NBA draft in a long time. Yeah. And and it's like a great time for two college basketball podcasters to get into. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and then also to like some degree, I it seems like be, there's just such a glut of talent in the NBA right now. Yeah, that this seems like a draft class that unless you like find your guy or your scouts are like, oh, this guy projects to be special. Like you're okay taking risky picks more so than I feel like last year's draft of the draft before that. You're okay taking a project. You're okay taking a guy overseas that you're gonna have him stay over there for a while. We only got one of those last year. Yeah. And with that, let's talk about picks three through ten. Mm-hmm. Uh we uh, looking at our our list, we're pretty similar. Uh we have the same oh. ten names. Which is maybe good or bad or groupthink. I don't know. No, we don't. We have one difference, and it's crazier that I'm higher on this guy than you are because I've been tabbed uh, a hater of Anthony Black. But you oh know. shit, bro! He was yeah. eleven for me. Um, but I, but I'm like very seriously considering dropping Anthony Black off out of my top ten after that fucking dumpster fire of a performance against yeah. LSU. Okay, let's let, let's go back in. Um, so number three, you and I both have Amen Thompson, Amen Thompson as the third pick. And can I ask you a question, Tuck? Yeah. Everybody pronounces it Amen Thompson. Do you think that's just because there's a certain group of people that say after the end of a prayer, Amen? And then there's a certain group that say Amen, but the Amen people won out, or is that actually how you pronounce Amen Thompson's name? So I think it's Amen. It probably is Amen. I say Amen because I w- grew up saying Amen, and I know that's wrong. And I'm trying to fix it. And apologies, folks. Yeah. Uh, Forty lashes for me, but it's probably Amen, right? Because his his brother's name yeah. is Osser. and like when you name, Tr- I believe they're Muslim, right? Yeah, yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, it like incredibly talented siblings like could you imagine like raising your kids and then being like oh they're gonna be good at basketball oh they're gonna be six foot seven and good at basketball and have like 50 inch verticals yeah oh they have uh the knees of 
Superman or yeah, like Spider-Man. Um, incredible leapers. Uh, I, I can't think. Is there <laughs> who has who would be like the closest mixtape to what the Thompson twins could do? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, you know, this isn't like comparable players, but do you remember when the first like John Wall Word of God mixed up? And everyone was like, Holy shit, who the fuck is this guy? He was just left hand dunking on everybody 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 bro it did not matter how big you were yeah it didn't matter at all it was just like oh my god this guy's he blessed them yeah kind of in the way that john wall was just dunking on everybody these guys are six seven six eight and can actually jump higher it's it's like absurd like amon thompson is a better athlete than asar Amen Thompson will come in and be probably the best athlete in the NBA. Like that's not <laughs> an over an exaggeration. It's not. It's not. He's it's really like, not. Like 99 percentile in the NBA. With a doubt. And like I don't even know how it projects out. And yeah. I don't like He's he's 18 years old, 19 years old. Uh what what is he gonna be at 23? Like the 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 thing with him is like the possibilities are endless if he can develop the necessary skills to be an on-ball player. Uh because you know, as much as like We've had so many great athletes in the NBA, like absurd athletes. Think of like Gerald Green, right? Right. He was bouncy as fuck, but he didn't have the handle and he didn't have the jumper. And he tried to be an on-ball player. He didn't know how to play off ball and he kind of fizzled out. Um, He had his moments, but, you know, no one's going to write NBA history and be like, hey, remember Gerald Green, you know? Um, And, you know, a handle and a jumper are – the necessity of well, the handle is what opens up the athleticism uh, handle and the proper footwork are what make you capable of accessing that explosive athleticism and making it functional. The jumper is what allows for you to take advantage of the space that you create. Uh, if you can create a ton of space, but you can't actually hit the jumper who fucking cares, you know? Um, it doesn't matter. And so if he's not able to become, you know, at least a 35% three-point shooter on decent amount of volume and doing it off the dribble, then the 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 limitation is is there. But that's the the ceiling doesn't exist for him if he can become like a solid to good shooter, but there's a lot of mechanical work that needs to happen there. And the handle needs to develop for sure. And like that work is like so obviously necessary that it it brings me back to the whole overtime elite thing. Like that it just isn't the playing ground necessary for him to like turn a corner before the draft. Like he completely needs to be teared down and brought back up in terms of shooting mechanics. He's, yeah. he's, he's got really good court vision though. He's a 
really yeah, good, good passer. Both of them are very good passers. They're like top five in the overtime elite league in I, per game. I will say Amen is a far better initiator passing than Osser is. Like Osser's a really good passer, but he can't really create to the level that his brother can. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I think that Amen is able to get downhill more and then create off of his own penetration more than Osar is. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Both are really interesting and freaks, but Amen is definitely a better athlete than Osar is. Yeah. And what's wild is that they both can jump out of the gym. Both of them have absurd verticality, but they don't Finishing contact the yeah. way the way that you would imagine people with that level of vertical and that size should be able to. Yeah. So how how easy is that to teach? It's not super easy to do. I, I feel like that's something that's innate. I think that over time you're going to have to learn how you you will learn how to do it when you're just going up against seven footers. Like when you're like, Oh shit, that's Rudy Gobert. You know, it's not some random six ten kid that was from, you know, Virginia and decided to get paid $25,000 to go play in the overtime elite league. You know, <laughs> like there's a big difference there. Um, and, and that can come with time, but it's, I mean, how many guys would you say outside of just getting physically stronger were like, wow, that guy's layup package improved dramatically in the NBA? I, I, I think it's mostly like a physicality thing. Like he's just – both of them are just going to have to put on weight. Yeah. And that will change their athletic dynamic. Like it will. You know, when you put 25 pounds on somebody – it's not all muscle, you know, some of it's going to be fat, uh, as much as we like to talk about lean, lean muscle, LeBron loves to say that, um, but you're just not going to be able to jump as high. Yeah. But so, so Amen is the unanimous third pick for, for both of our, our nice. lists. Uh, then we start to differentiate, um, oh. The, we 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 each picked a college player on a, uh, to be our fourth pick. Uh, you picked Alabama's own uh, the 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 alien in annihilation, uh, Brandon Miller, uh, a wing, six foot six foot six, six foot eight, um, whatever he is, something like that. Yeah, uh, long wingish, long and wingish. Uh, one of the older prospects in this draft class, which is interesting because he's a freshman that's 20 years old. Um, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think that's nearly a big deal as like oh, folks want to make it out to be. What makes Brandon Miller the fourth pick for you? Yeah. Um, he's already an elite shooter, which is probably the most valuable thing that you can have as a, an NBA player right now is elite shooting on high volume. Uh, he's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. Mm -hmm. um, he's someone that can come off screens and score. He's someone that can navigate as the ball handler, pull up and knock down shots as 
every single Gonzaga fan saw. I mean, that dude was a killer. 36. 36. 36 points against GU and did it in a number of ways. I think he really profiles as like a good decision maker in the pick and roll as the ball handler. And man, I mean, how many six, seven, six, eight wings, whatever it is that can shoot on volume over 40% are capable of being the pick and roll ball handler in the league. Mm-hmm. You've got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. Uh, I mean, Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, those are, you know, the best players in the NBA. Um, So that's the kind of profile that he has. Uh, The the big concern with him is can he finish at the rim? Mm -hmm. Um, His footwork is not good. He's athletic, and I don't think we see that because he doesn't have the footwork for it, and he does not – have the control he kind of predetermines his reads you know he's not properly reacting to what the defense is doing as that secondary defender comes to help and and he doesn't have the proper footwork to deal with it that's fixable though you know that that's something that like to me is very easy even this year we could see Brandon Miller legitimately get better this year which is Crazy to say because he's undoubtedly been the best freshman in the country and like yeah maybe a top five player in college basketball right now. I don't, I mean maybe you disagree with me, but that's the kind of like upside at his best. He's one of the top five most impactful players in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's like pretty clearly easy to get better. And he's going to get bigger. Like, he's going to get stronger. Um, and that athleticism will be unlocked and unleashed, uh, I think, even more. And so, for me, as much as, like, other guys I like that I have right behind him, who you have somebody ahead of him who I like, but I just think his skill set is the most valuable and it's already tangible. It's not like, ooh, maybe that could come about, like, you know, how many guys are awesome athletes and can like dribble the ball for like, man, if he could just become a 40% three point shooter, how, how amazing would he be? It's like, yeah, but that'll never happen. Like that's one in a thousand prospects that come into the league being like sub 30% or 30 ish percent three point shooters and turn into 40% three point shooters on volume. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Unless you're Kawhi Leonard, that's like, that's <laughs> you know, hey, how how Kawhi has like just given false hope to so many teams that they're like, I can fix him. Look, yeah, look, there's Truly. a there's a blueprint there. Yeah, I, and they're like, let's just hire Chip England. That'll fix yeah. it. All. Chip's got this. Uh I I look. I have Brandon Miller fifth. I I have zero doubt that he will be one of the best picks in this draft. I, I do still have questions. It's just, it's not just that he lacks an explosion getting to the, getting to the rim. And you could be right that, that it's his footwork mechanics kind of limit him from doing that. But it's also kind of very obvious and like, ex- just like explicit how, 
you know exactly what he's trying to do every single time he's initiating by driving. Like yeah. he's he, he doesn't have a lot of package to to his to his like downhill no. game. Um that like he he gets comped to Paul George a lot lately and I think he's got Paul George's like tough shot making. Um I don't I don't think he can I don't I don't know if he'll ever be like Paul George the the finisher but probably not but hey if you're if you're like 80% of Paul George that's a really fucking good basketball player yeah I mean you know, I, I don't I don't think he's going to be the defender that Paul George was no but. no no and I don't think people you know especially after that Gonzaga game where like, Oh, Brennan Miller fucking sucks on defense. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Like he's yeah. not. And also people have to realize too. And this is something that like is really annoying is when they're like, Hey, that guy sucks on defense. It's like, all right, there's a huge difference between guy that has like a massive offensive load that isn't going to play great defense because all of his energy is being taken up on carrying his team on offense. The guy <laughs> that's not capable of playing defense. Brandon Miller is more than capable of being a solid to good defender. Uh, Trey Young, for example, yeah, he takes all the offensive load, but he also has no possibility of ever even being an, a, like an average defender. Right. You know, there, there's like a difference there. Like, even Damian Lillard, he's not a good defender. He's not atrocious, like I think a lot of people think. He's not fucking Trey Young. But, like, he takes such an offensive load that he can't be that committed to the defensive end because of obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, I think Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller has a strong stake to be the fourth pick in this draft. And uh, with, with, the, with the way that we've seen – the stocks dip for non-college players in the NBA draft. There's a real possibility that he could finish his highest third. I, I think I, we, nope. we, we have I've a lot flirted of- with taking him over Almond Thompson. Yeah. Almond's Almond's got to show some development throughout the rest of the way for, for him to safely be the third pick in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, my fourth pick is a guy who has, has not splashed onto the scene yet. In college basketball, he's been brought along really slowly, and that's largely because of his uh, thumb injury. I have Cam Whitmore of Villanova as the fourth pick in, in on on this board. And look, the limitations right now are pretty obvious. Um, he's he he kind of has some deer in the headlight moments, but. And his shot hasn't been falling the last four or five games. And when your shot's not falling and and you're and you're not able to finish at the rim like you need to, it, it becomes pretty difficult to play you again. Like he played like it makes sense. It makes sense that you if you're Neptune to to t- take the gas off of uh Whitmore's Whitmore's like play when you know you're playing the the number one, number two team in the country in Connecticut. He played 23 minutes, which was, you know, the seventh player, basically. Uh, and and with that, he's he's got, he's where he's lacking on uh, showcasing his, like, clear skills 
He's got by far outside of Amen, I don't think there's a better athlete in the draft than than Cam. Cam Cam has oh, the most yeah. Cam has the most pro ready body in college basketball of like the actual Dude, uh, if you want to see a freak, I mean we talked about Amen Thompson, but I was uh, today I was like, all right, there's not much Villanova film and they haven't really played that great of a schedule now that he's been back. So I was like, let me go watch all of his like USA highlights and just see what that was like uh, when they were playing in the Americas games. And holy shit, all of them are just crazy dunks. All of them are just violent dunks. He is a freak, man. Yeah, he's he's a freak. He's. Villanova just hasn't been good enough also for him to like showcase his cutting. Uh, yeah. He's, he's probably one they of the best. The shooting. They're not the shooting around him. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of been limiting. He's not, he's, he still hasn't shown development as an on ball player yet. No, he doesn't but, have the skill right now, but like, I, that's just like a gamble that I'm re- willing to take on a player that just, could absolutely be brought along and be like a contributor within two years. Yeah. And Tuck, w- what wing would you compare him to athletic wise? Sorry if I'm putting, I'm putting you on the spot. I just like, couldn't quite think of one. Cause he's such like a powerful, violent athlete. Actually, what about Jonathan Kaminga? Yeah. I see Kaminga. That's, I mean, honestly, that's my question with Cam is like, and this is why I have Brandon Miller ahead of him is just, all right, is he really going to be an on ball guy? I have my real doubts because right now, basically, his only move is just kind of like dribbling through someone's chest and trying to finish through them. And if he's not an on ball guy, which I have my serious doubts about, he's got to be a really, really good three point shooter, right? And is that going to be possible? Like, is he really going to be like a 38 plus percent three point shooter shooting anywhere from five to seven a game? So like his jumper looked good in high school. Like he didn't look. His form isn't bad. His form isn't bad. I think it's like legitimately not him rushing back too soon, but I, I just can't not buy that his thumbs not impacting his shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe Cam is like if Isaac Okoro was good. <laughs> uh, he's not, but if he was, yeah. Um, I <laughs> that was so mean. Um, like, I don't know, man. I like, I I don't want to say that he can be I. I think Cam Cam has the ability to what you ready for a comp that you're not gonna like and it's gonna make you drop him down the draft boards a little bit. Is it Stanley Johnson? No. Isn't he like kind of Rui-ish? Yeah. He's, he's better like on a team. better he's athlete. Better on- He's, he's a better he's, athlete, better defender, but his better instincts too. Like he's a better cutter yeah. than he really is. Uh, yeah, Cam might not be. That's why I'm. That's why I'm just like, eh. I really like Cam too. That's uh, 
Look, he's exactly what I was talking about earlier, where I'm like, hey, you chose Villanova. You're a great, smart player. I'm going to instinctively like you because you chose a great program and you wanted to win basketball games and play the right way. I just, I don't know. I, I'm going to keep Cam at four until until like the spring yeah. and, it, and he's still the same player. If he's still, still the same player in spring, yeah. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. He's played like five games. You know, like yeah. that. You can't judge him. I don't think you can make like a legit evaluation of Cam Whitmore until we're through Big East play. Right. Yeah. So number five on my list is Brandon Miller. Uh, who's five on your list? You're five. For five you. is Cam for me. So I, I'm still high on Cam, but. I have flirted with dropping him as well as another guy that's later down on my list. Um, But yeah, uh, number six for me is Keontae George. And I think that I'm like higher on Keontae George than anybody in America. Um, (laughs) And I don't quite get why everybody isn't as high on Keontae George like dude is an absolute sniper he is a ridiculous athlete I know he's like only really like 6'3 6'4 he's also a really good passer and a total dog on defense um he's being forced to play the three right now just because of Cryer and Flagler um but in a lot of ways like dude he's he he's taking 30% of the possessions for Baylor. He's taking almost 9% more of the possessions over Flagler and Cryer, who are two of the top on-ball players in the country. Like, that is how good he is as a freshman, that you've got two guys that have been in their system, a senior and a junior. One guy, Adam Flagler, who literally won a national championship with Scott Drew, and Scott Drew has given the ball to Keontae George more. Uh, He is shooting 35% from three, but he's already taken 92 threes on the season. I mean, that is insane. Uh, uh, 92 threes in 12 games. 22 more threes than anyone else on that Baylor team. Yeah. I mean, his assist rate is really good. 26.4 just puts him at about 158th in the country. Um, He draws fouls. So he gets to the line. Uh, he's taken 42 free throws on the team, which is significantly more than any other player on that team. He's shooting 84%, which that like free throw percentage is the biggest indicator of, are you going to be a good three point shooter in the NBA? So I think that percentage will go up, even though he shot an insane volume, um, man. And I think he's a dog on defense. I know he's only six, four, but you know, Dog. I think he's like a prototypical, like really good two guard. That Austin. he could easily average twenty plus points per game his rookie year. I really think that he's that good, man. Austin, he's not just a dog on defense. He's a dog. Like True. he takes over game. Like the way that Brandon Miller takes over games, Keontae does that too. But within the flow of the offense, yeah, it's Wait. not unorganic. Yeah, he's he's so 
lethal at multiple levels. Like he's he's a 34 35% three point shooter and I would be confident in saying that that's going to go up once he gets more yes. reps. Yes. Uh what's really important? He's shooting 70% at the rip at 6 foot 4. Yeah. Like I can go downhill. Oh, I love Keontae. We're, I love like, him. Like, like let's let's I might put him at number five. Fuck it, Cam Whitmore. I'm sorry, but you're getting dropped, brother. Yeah, I had I had uh, I had Keontae as, at seventh. Uh, my sixth is Asar. Uh, but yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough for me to argue Keontae. Keontae's gonna make Keontae if he doesn't go in the top five. He's gonna make some somebody look stupid. Oh, he's gonna be Ben Matherin of this draft. I don't I don't disagree. I yeah. and remember we had the same thing about Ben Matherin. Oh, he's like not that tall. Like, what is he? Is he a shooting guard? Is he a small forward? Like, what position does he really play? Guess what? The guy's really fucking good, and he's a total dog on both ends of the floor and can shoot the piss out of the ball. Like Keontae's comfortability being on ball or off ball, he's the he's the second point guard on it on a team with two two senior guards. He's able to play off ball. He's nasty pulling up. Um, yeah, his pull up like jumper is crazy. It's man, I love him. Austin for so. as for as many threes as Keontae's taken, what what percentage do you think were assisted? Ooh, I I might think it's. Now, 50. Now, like normally, it's like eighty to ninety, eighty to one hundred percent, are of three point attempts are or three point makes are assisted. His is sixty eight. Yeah, that's LJ LJ Cryer, who's the second most three points made on Baylor's team. Ninety two percent were assisted. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's really impressive. Really, really, really impressive, and that's what separates guys in the NBA is like what separates, I mean, Steph is Steph and Dame. Those are guys that can shoot at a high level, high percentage and volume off the dribble from distance. That's what separates them. Jordan Poole, same thing. He's an 83, he's an 83% free throw shooter as a freshman. Yep. Like I, it's just, he checks so many boxes. He's good on defense. The people that have like that mock him and they're like, ah, he's like 18th. I'm like, what fucking game of basketball are you watching? It's fascinating that there's people that are higher on Case and Wallace than are on Keontae George. Literally makes no sense to me. And I like Case. I love Case. I love Case. My whole thing, like, but there's one dude that has come along really quickly and another dude that has like risen quickly in like national favor but they're not the same um i should we get to number seven sure uh well you i guess we kind of already talked we talked about officer yeah 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 Yeah. we talked about a brother of his so it's fine yeah, so it's the same so, thing, except not as good of a. Sh- I guess a little bit of a better shooter, but but not he's he's shooter, gonna play, but, but he's not gonna play as a guard though, is he? Like he's gonna be a wing. Yeah, 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 yeah. For like, sure. Like that's the thing. His handles aren't as good as his brothers. He's good. He's really good. He's good. He's, he's definitely a clear. Good. He's a clear lottery pick. Yep. Yep. 
Um, all right, number seven for me, and this is my biggest basketball crush at the moment after watching the Houston-Alabama game, and that is Jairus Walker. Mm-hmm. Mm, I fucking love Jairus Walker. Dude is such a freak athlete. He is big as fuck. He is a phenomenal instinctual defender. He plays so hard, but like he's under control. There's those guys that play super hard, but like a reckless. He is an under control player. He's on offense, really good in the short role. Like a lot of guys that are really great athletes don't know how to play under control and make the right decisions. They just are like, hey, I'm more athletic than you. I'm just going to be violently attacking the rim. You know, Cliff Alexander vibes, you know. He's not like that. He's actually a really good decision maker and passer in the short role. And I think that's where he is going to make his money on the offensive end because his jumper isn't really there. Um, It's not like broken, but it's not there for volume. Um, And part of that might just be like how Houston plays, but for him to be like a super high level starter, he needs to be probably in that 38 percent range uh, to me that's kind of like the line of are you a really playable player because you can space the floor is can you shoot you know probably five at least five a game and shoot at 38 percent volume um to me i don't know how you're gonna like this he has shades of here's our shades of segment and basketball crush segment shades of isaiah stewart and Jeremy Sohan, but I think he's better than both of those guys. Um, or maybe a little Bamish without the elite rim protection. Yeah, I like I like that. But like on offense, he has so much more touch than Bam did going yes. into the NBA. He does have touch, and he's so under control, but fundamentally sound. I love he him because he's like sound, bro. When was the last time we saw an eighteen-year-old that was so comfortable in the mid post? Yeah, dude, I I love his. Game. I love I love him too. He's six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan. Uh, he's able to play below the rim, above the rim, in the mid post. He's slowly developing a three point shot. He's not he's not consistently shooting. I think, he, I think he's shooting like what eighteen percent of his uh, shot attempts have been threes. Yeah, what percentage is he shooting though? I think it's like. Over, let's see what it is. He is shooting 38%. He's, but he's shooting only taking 21 shots. He's on. eight for 21. Like yeah. it's it's clear he also doesn't want Kelvin to yell at him. Yeah. Uh, and I, and the bad well, not horrible news, but he's shooting 67% from the free throw line. So yeah, yeah. But he's also taken only 24th for free throw. So yeah. Knows? Exactly. And what's interesting too is like this adds. This is another another component of uh, what you were mentioning earlier about like, yo, I will I will stand you. I will ride. I will ride for you uh, if you if you clearly show that you care about your development. Him picking Houston dude, tells me awesome. everything I need to know about Jairus. Yeah, one hundred percent. That dude is a motherfucker. Like, dude, if you're a five star freshman and you're choosing Houston on the broadcast. They were talking about like during summer school. So there's eight weeks of summer school where every team is like practicing and playing and, you know, kind of starting to install 
um, what they do offensively and defensively. And they're like, yeah, Houston spent the entire time just working on defense. Like imagine being a five-star prospect and going to a school where all you do is literally just work on defense. And he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> like that I'm rules, a, dude. I'm that all rules. in. I'm I all love in. him. Yeah. And, do, what do you think? Like, his ceiling is and do you think he can be like an actual rim protector and play the five because i don't think so i don't think he's that i don't think he's that but he doesn't need to be that either no i uh, the other thing that's going to be really important for him is if he's not able to develop into like a legit three-point threat is He's got to be an elite short roller um, because if he's playing with a non-spacing big like that, that's going to be sitting out in the dunker spot. If you're the short roller there, you need to be a really good decision maker and passer that's able to take one dribble, draw that secondary defender from the dunker spot and then make that pass. Or if that help is like, you've got to be able to diagnose very quickly where the help's coming from and draw that help with, you know, that momentum going going towards the basket and making the right read. This is what made has made Draymond Green such a great player um, is that he's such a good short roller. What that means is that uh, if people don't know what like a short roller is, is basically someone that doesn't, that sets a screen and doesn't immediately just dive super hard to the rim and is looking to catch the ball two to three feet from the rim and finish but is slowly rolling and basically keeping at the same angle um, as the ball handler so that they can catch it, you know, 10 feet out um, where they're catching it. And then they're actually the playmaker in that pick and roll, not the guard. Um, that's, that's kind of the difference between like a hard roller, like your clip Capella's um, or, you know, DeAndre Ayton or whatever it is like it's more your Draymond's it's more even Yusuf Nurkic to a degree is like a short roll guy um Bam Adebayo is someone that I wish was a better short roller but really isn't um you know there's not actually a lot of elite short roll guys in the NBA right now here's 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 my comp for you that you might hate Uh and and my my just sever our relationship as friends. Oh no. Could he not be 2021's version of Julius Randle? <laughs> I'm turning off the podcast. I hate you. <laughs> but you can, no, you, you can no, see the vision. You can no. see the vision. He's, He's not going to be that dominant of a on ball player, though. Okay. I just mean in terms of. His ability to rebound and eat up the paint and yeah. like live in the mid post, extend yeah. with the three yeah. point shot. I'm not saying usage wise. I'm not. Okay. I don't think. I don't think he's got Julius's mentality for that. No, he doesn't. Okay. He has the right dog in him. I look, 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 look. I'm saying the ceiling of him being as dominant as Julius Randall was yeah. last season. Yeah. He won. He won MIP, bro. Yeah. He was an all-star. He was all-second team. I ice, think Tom ice, Thibodeau ice. would love him. Yeah. Tom. I, 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 you know, if Jairus Walker was playing in the garden and Ice Spice was watching him, you know, I'd be down for that. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Why why have we gotten a Tom Thibodeau ice spice combo? I don't know. Oh, but I will say if he went to the Rockets and he just stayed in Houston, that'd be pretty sick. Yeah, that'd be that'd he would be, be a great he'd be great pair with Jabari Smith, honestly. I yeah. think he'd be a great option there. Um and I would love to see, you know, maybe him and Meg the Stallion date. Like I think that's great. Megan is happy right now, okay. Is, well, is she? I think so. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. Is she dating anybody right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's she dating now? I don't know. It's just some dude. Some dude? Just, yeah, she, why she, date she, some she, dude when you could date Jairus Walker, bro? When you could date good Julius. A, a true a true hooper. Yeah. Jairus, Jairus Randall. She definitely wants to hang out with Kelvin Sampson, bro. Uh, sweatpants. Yeah, um, absolutely. You don't, you can't see Kelvin Sampson fucking learning how to twerk from Megan The Stallion. No, I can't. I can't yeah, see no, that. I can't. That's right. a that's a tough visual. Well, those are our first seven players on our boards. We'll be coming back with another episode to break down the second half of the lottery. And in doing so, you know, have a better feel for not just this pod, but this class. So ride with us. Please like, subscribe. Uh, uh, Understand that while, while we're not a finished product, this is like, this is like, we're, Look, we're having our we're having our uh to name a player, we're having our Jalen Wilson uh uh winter right now. And come spring, we're gonna blossom and yeah. we may take another year, but uh we'll be yeah, a lottery pick by this. This is syllabus week for us, Tuck. High potential, high potential. Uh yeah. Well, thanks again. We will talk to you soon.